Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So that happened. <laughs> Democrats had a pretty rough night on election night for the midterms of 2014, uh, and here to talk about it, I am Zach Carter, senior political economy for the Huffington Post. Senior political economy? Yeah, you just said you were the senior political economy. Mm. <laughs> so that happens. <laughs> <laughs> senior political economy reporter for the Huffington yeah. Post. Yeah. Uh, uh, who are you guys? What are, are you doing in my office? Yes, yeah, so we're still recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm Sam Stein, uh, senior political reporter for the Huffington Post. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Jason Lincolns. I'm not senior at shit. Yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, write dick jokes about politics for having a post. But you do it so well. I do. I do. <laughs> so what can we say about tonight? Democrats got waxed. You know, um, clearly it's uh, a new day for Obama. And I think, you know, for Democrats, I think the, the real story is sort of what Democrats take away from this, at least at this juncture. And I think... Uh, there's two things you could take away from this, right? It's like one is we basically had nothing to run on, in part because we ran away from everything we had done. It's healthcare, immigration reform, or the possibility of immigration reform. What uh, amounted to an economic recovery? Yeah, an improving economy. None of it really came up. And, you know, maybe it was that skittishness, that caution that really doomed Democrats. That's one theory. And then the other theory is that Obama himself is just so fucking toxic that, you know, he dragged down everyone else, and you can't talk about Obama. Uh, you can't associate yourself with the president, in which case you're in a real catch-22 because you really have nothing to talk about. So, you know, going forward, it's going to be a lot of soul-searching. I know that's a cliche, but it is. And, you know, for the party, the only good thing is the 2016 map is a little bit better, but they have a lot... they got a lot of, you know, they have to think a lot about what they need to do the next two years and how they want to approach this president because he's still in the White House. So for them, they got to figure out how closely they want to be associated with this guy. So, I mean, I'm really curious, like, because to me, if, if I were a Democrat, right, I would, and I were in the Senate in particular, I would look at what Mitch McConnell had just pulled off, which was brick wall obstruction, just total gridlock, yeah. and, and yet ultimately kind of victory. I mean, you, you, could say he, you could say he lost the Affordable Care Act, he lost Dodd-Frank, he lost the presidency in 2012. But he comes away from this thing ultimately being majority leader. It, it, yeah, but these, these, these are these are Pyrrhic victories, as, or whatever you want to call them. I mean, Pyrrhic, Pyrrhic victories. Yeah, Pyrrhus. Because in this, wars. in this Previous. in this case, it's like, yeah, you know, Mitch McConnell ends up running the Senate, uh, but to what end does that get him? In you know, on the major policy grounds, he didn't stop Obamacare. Obamacare is still going to be a lot of land. He might chip away at it, but it's still there. And that's a much bigger you know, victory for Obama than it is, you know, obviously than anything Mitch McConnell has done. And his number one objective was to make sure Obama wasn't reelected, and Obama was reelected. So until, you know, if, it, it, now this all changes if this sets the stage for something in 2016 and, you know, Republicans can then use this to catapult into the White House, then, yeah, you can make the case that Mitch McConnell really gained this out uh, six years ago when, or whatever when mm. you start talking about this. But 
you know, until he gets, until Republican Party gets hold of the presidency, I, I you know, this is all, you know, gamesmanship right but, now. But, but if you're Harry Reid and, you, and you're presuming Harry Reid is, is going to be the, the yeah. minority leader, I mean, would, wouldn't you want to pursue a policy of obstruction? Wouldn't you want to look at this and say, hey, look, he, he didn't get punished for this. Like, let's, let's just block everything and hope we win in 2016. Because you're not, now you're obstructing, I mean... Well, you're obstructing your president still, right? Right, yeah. Sort yeah. of, but you're also... but you. There's advantages being... Obviously, Harry Reid could be like, let's lay up in the cut, be the super minority for a while, stop this stuff from happening, yeah. roll up on filibuster after filibuster. Uh, I don't know if that... I don't know if that's... Harry Reid pulls that off because Harry Reid is, you know, at times had to carry the ball of filibuster reform. Yeah. Uh, he, has, he never took it as far as maybe a lot of people want him to, to get rid of it entirely. But... I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a game Harry Reid could play. Maybe another Senate minority leader from the Democrats could play that game. Uh, may, maybe they don't have to worry about it. You know, one of the things I went, one of the things that we started the night off talking about w- w- was like, what do the Republicans do right now? Yeah. And you know, we had Tom Daschle on HuffPost Live, and he was like, well, you know, he was very optimistic. He said, well, you know, now the Republicans are on the hook for governing. They got to come and prove they can govern. So they got to put forth an agenda that has a chance of passing, maybe a chance of avoiding the veto pen. <laughs> I was like, "No, nah, I don't. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, I don't." And people they said won't. that in 2010 when they won the There's too many people. There's too many people. I, people. Rem- I remember 2010 was like, "Oh, Boehner has now won the speakership he has." Right. To be. Yeah. Uh, no. History repeats. <laughs> yeah. And there's too it many people. Like a classic democratic impulse to be like, "Well, now they'll be serious." Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and they won't be. Here they won't be. So so, well, it's not in Mitch McConnell's interest to, you know, work with the president, nor is it necessarily. Well, it might be in his interest on some respects to work with the president, but the problem he'll have is that he'll have, you know, three or four members of his own caucus who are running for president, right? And it's not going to be certainly not going to be in Ted Cruz's interest to see any deal constructively cover the president. It's in fact, you know, why would the House opposed. of Representatives go along with that? Even if McConnell came out tomorrow and said, we're going to deal maker extraordinaire. We can step back and say some serious House Republicans will be like, okay, we can win an election where the turnout is 38%, where we're running in a lot of Republican states, although this election they won in blue states governorships, but let's put that aside for now. Uh, And you could say, you're a serious House Republican, you sit there, you could say, we need to do something differently for 2016. We can't be portrayed as the party that hates immigrants. We can't be portrayed as the party that just wants tax cuts for the rich. And go need, back to the RNC autopsy report. Yeah, we actually do need to do things so that we can't be uh, caricatured by Democrats. And there will be serious Republicans who make that case in both chambers. But it always comes back to the issue of how hard would a Ted Cruz demagogue any effort to do anything, you know, resembling like the Dream Act, he would he would just go Pretty nuts hard. on it because it would, it's his ticket to getting you know primetime billing as a leading Republican presidential candidate. So, you know, Mitch McConnell's in a tough spot. Maybe Dashell's right. I don't think he is, but either way, it's not like he can just sort of you know snap his fingers and say, okay, let's you know have a kumbaya moment of bipartisanship. You, you talked about soul searching, and, and and you know the, the Republicans. People are people are mixed about whether the Republicans or not need to come up with an agenda. Mm-hmm. I think that when we talk about Democrat soul searching, I think that since Obama was elected in 08, yeah. you've had an election in 10, 12, yeah. and now 14. Yeah. And I think the theme of those three elections have been, yo, Republicans be crazy. Yeah. You know, and I think now we're coming into 2016. It probably Hillary Clinton's the standard bearer. Uh, if if she runs, she'll shoot to the top, probably win the nomination. Yeah. 
Um, And she's, you know, been a creature of Washington. uh, And she needs to she needs to be the person who sets an agenda. And I think right now, if the Democrats want to, like, have successful soul searching, they need to be plotting out what are our big ideas where are we going to we want to win in 2016 where do we want to take the country in 2020 but but that gets right right back to sam's point that he made at the beginning which is that basically the democrats didn't run on ideas this time around no they ran on republicans are crazy and they got and they got clobbered i think i think obama can continue to point out and stake out positions that emphasize how crazy the republicans are if he wants to i think he can still do that i said earlier tonight on huffpost live that like if there's one thing obama's good at it's trolling (laughs) And, and he's been able to he's been able to like hit the Republicans and their points of enragement. But now the people who are going to carry the ball from here to 2016 around a presidential campaign, they need to come up with something other than Cory Gardner likes person. So I, I agree with that. And that is the point I was making earlier, which is if you can't defend or if you don't want to defend what you've done on health care or uh, an improving economy for the top that is generally improving overall, or if you don't want to embrace immigration from our deferred action in the moment, then you got to have something else you're willing to talk about. And, you know, what's interesting in some respects is, you know, for a while before health care reform was passed, uh, health care reform was like that great big shining object that Democrats were promising to pursue. In every election they ran, they said, I am going to deliver comprehensive health care reform. We are going to do it. We're going to be the party that gets it done. Yeah. And, they did it, and and it's like the cupboard. The cupboard is like kind of empty now because that was the big idea. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you talk to some of these strategists, and they say, okay, well, we're going to fill that void with you know various sort of economic security ideas and you know family you know betterment policies, and that includes kitchen student table. yeah kitchen table yeah. student loan stuff you know minimum wage equal work equal pay all very very important progressive concepts, but, you know, they're all, you know, relatively smaller than comprehensive health care reform, which is a really motivating and was a really motivating agenda item. I have a big agenda item for them if what they want it? it. What is it? We take, we extract single, the- single, single beers. No, 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 okay, okay, this is a serious okay, agenda item. Take it, we take the lesson from what went wrong with healthcare.gov's website rollout. Mm-hmm. What went wrong was that literally the federal government was not prepared mm-hmm. to engage in the modern world as far as like information technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had multiple agencies that could not speak to each other. Their data could not communicate over on, on one platform with each other. Yeah. In the United Kingdom, they had the same problem a number of years ago with their healthcare system when they tried to adapt it and put it online and it got fucked up and they responded by creating a cabinet level IT position that completely re-standardized the entire way their government did IT. I mean, Jason, I've heard heard you pitch this before. Uh, Of course. That's a great idea. And I'm I'm already bored. (laughs) Are you you already bored? Do you understand? Do you understand that everyone in the world right now (laughs) to solve their problems, to get what they want, they pull out their smartphone and they solve their problems, they get what they want. Unless they're trying to to interface with the federal government. And then they can't. so I, I like the yeah, idea in theory. I think, and I think it works. You need to you know, put people it, on a national. I think, but that's not. That's, I think the idea here idea. is the idea. If I can summarize what you're trying to say is, Democrats become the party not of less government, which is what Republicans want, but efficient government, making the government work better. Twenty first century. Twenty first century government. And I think that is in in. I think that's a, a pretty good concept. Remember Thank that. You. Remember that. Thank o- you. Remember that Obama actually <laughs> made this. 
made this a, uh, a key point in one of his earlier State of the Union addresses. He was going to create, uh, he was going to completely rethink how the government operates, make it more efficient, consolidate certain departments that were duplicating activities. He even assigned Jeff Zients, <clears throat> who everyone knows is famous for restoring healthcare, healthcare.gov. He signed him to do that project and they produced a project and it went absolutely nowhere. I think they run into a problem that uh, for a lot of uh, traditional Democrats, the idea of efficient government to them sounds very threatening because it means getting rid of government. Now, that might be outdated and antiquated, but it is something they run into. Because I, I, like, I, I think you need, if, if, if we're talking about the, the future direction of the Democratic Party, I think you've got to have good guys and bad guys. I don't think you can just talk about making government work better. And, and the bad guys, the, the, the place where they're having success with bad guys is Elizabeth Warren talking about banks. Yeah. So I, I think you, you have to have some, some sort of platform that's, that's centered around the concentration of corporate power because they're losing the money game. The money in politics game is, is clearly breaking for Republicans. This is the first election where that's been unequivocally clear. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, you know, they have less to lose by taking on corporate power in some ways, whether that's through antitrust policy, uh, whether that's through You're you know, never going to make that case stuff. with Clinton. That's your figurehead. That's tough. Clinton, it is, it's, it's I think tough. tied into this Clinton well, Global Initiative. You know, when it comes down to it, we, you know, it's nice. We can talk about these things and, and, and how they will play. But, you know, the truth of the matter is 2016, it's like it's a. T- a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Totally different ballgame. Everything we're talking about in, in some ways is sort of irrelevant when we talk about 2016. We have different states at play. We'll have a different political dynamic. You'll have an incredibly different constituency, not just going out to vote, but actually existing. In, in the America. presidential election, having all your voters packed in urban districts doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Like it does. Right. And in- so, and so, you know, there's going to be a lot of Democrats who, rightfully so, are really upset about what happened tonight and in, in, in this for them it should prompt a lot of discussion about how to move the party forward uh, the one saving grace is you know demographics and, and map you know the case that could very well be made it should, probably should be made is that if Democrats can embrace their natural constituencies and if they can't gravitate towards their natural issues they're gonna have real problems the good thing for Democrats is that in 2016 there's no real reason why they should run away from their natural constituencies or abandon their key issues because they line up in the states. We're talking about, you know, Illinois with Mark Kirk. We're talking about Ron Johnson, Wisconsin. We're talking about Pennsylvania with Pat Toomey, mm-hmm. New Hampshire with Kelly Ayotte. Those are four 
you know, Democratic-leaning states that will have senators up for election, the Republicans up for election. It would be silly if Democrats were to, you know, run away from doing immigration reform or not embrace Obamacare with those states on the map. And a lot of those Democrats or those Republicans who are, who are going to be defending those seats are, are kind of like corporate-aligned Republicans yeah. who, who the U.S. Chamber of Commerce wants them to vote for at least something like like immigration reform. Yeah. And so if you, if you end up forcing these guys to vote for your, your policy victory, uh, I mean, what, you know, I, I don't know. They're, I don't, they're not going to get comprehensive immigration reform because the House is going to block it. Of like, course. That, that's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but if you end up forcing those guys into a vote and... and as long as it looks like the House is the one that blocked it. But that's the vote. thing. Right. That's the thing about changing the Senate is that they won't be able to force them into a vote. And you'll just have whatever Mitch McConnell and and John Boehner want to bring up is what they'll bring up, right? So that's that's where this matters is those votes that could put some of these people in tough binds won't be taken. And Harry Reid actually maybe overplayed this hand, which is that he didn't bring up a lot of things that would have forced tough votes because he didn't want those tough votes to be taken, and it ended up backfiring because suddenly all these Republicans were able to say, well, you voted with Obama 95 to 99 percent of the time. Well, yeah, because every vote that came to the Senate floor was a calculated, very easy <laughs> right. vote that you should vote. I mean, even these Republicans were voting with Obama like 70 percent of the time because uh, these votes were so right. ridiculous. Like, should there be a post office? Yeah, it's yeah. like, let's name this post office after Muhammad Ali. Oh, of course. I'm gonna fucking do that. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, people say that changing the Senate uh, is not going to change anything uh, maybe, maybe in some respects, but in terms of how the place is run and conducted and what type of votes people have to take and just the flow of legislation, it's going to be dramatically different. We talked a little bit on HuffPost Live about this. Uh, what, how, do the dynamics in the Senate change? You, you're of the opinion that, uh, Zach, you're of the opinion that nothing's really changing, as, aside from maybe how judicial appointments get. I think judicial appointments and then also I, I think if, if you've watched the House, one of the things that the House has done that's very cl- clever is they've just trolled the hell out of the regulators. They've just made life a living hell for any federal regulator possible. They've been making document requests that are just absurd. Right. Uh, you know, just and, and the Senate will be able to do that now. And that, that really does gum up the works for the Obama oh, administration. Oh, sure. And then there's this whole, the whole appropriations process and whether money will be given for the implementation of any law. I mean, yeah, it, there might not be, you know, dramatic pieces of legislation that were never going to come through anyway. They obviously still won't come through. But those budget fights are going to be super intense. I think there's going to be really interesting standoffs with the administration over, you know, fine items in the budget, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that you, no one else would pay attention to, but it would matter. Yeah. And then the other thing I would add in addition to that <clears throat> is that uh, the Senate now can, uh, inv- the Senate investigative arm will now be run by Republicans and they'll investigate Obama, much like the House committee run by Daryl Issa has. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Issa, I mean, Issa is a great example. I mean, there, there are some, some things where Issa has done... He's got this funny record because every now and then he does stuff that's like pretty good. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he, like he, the he Golden Sachs, Goldman Sachs counterparties. Yeah, yeah. The, the, we we know we know that AIG was basically a pass through bailout for. Oh, totally. Yeah. There's such, there's such good ripe areas for oversight. Yeah. That anyone you know who was thinking straight could actually pursue, you know, whether it's in the financial services realm or whatnot. Uh, but the flashy objects seem to distract Daryl Issa a lot more often than the substantive ones. And so it's, I'm curious to see, you know, I think John McCain is up for this, the head of this committee. and you know, The 11 committee on, on investigation. Yeah, and it would be very interesting to see how he handles it and whether he goes for the shiny objects. 
I, I don't think he's as ruthless a partisan as uh, as 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 Isa is, but uh, but he definitely has his moments, and particularly on foreign policy. Yeah, um, he's he's very he's very hawkish, and he he, he takes like moral offense he, he at the democratic a, uh, yeah, policy. He has yeah. a lot of animus towards Obama too. I mean, why wouldn't he? he yeah, got his clock cleaned by Obama. Exactly, but he'll he, like where Isa goes after like IRS and Fast and Furious, you know. John McCain will, you know, demand everything about the prosecution of the war in Syria. And so you just get a different realm of investigation, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe look at this election as a situation where, oh, no, Republicans are going to try to pass all these laws. Well, they're not going to pass a bunch of laws. What they would they be capable of doing is a thing in a lot of ways far more insidious. It's like redirecting the the sort of uh, hive mind of government to places that – are going to be either embarrassing for Democrats or are going to be time wasters yeah. um, in a way, you know, and, then, and we get back to the central problem, but will the, will the Republican majority in the Senate join with the House in this new kind of like blossoming of good governance? The problem is, is that like everything you described, the whole gumming up of regulators, the whole like investigating things that shouldn't be investigated, we, we keep coming back to this idea that like bad, broken government is something that the GOP has lately decided is good for their brand. I kind of just want to ask you guys what you thought the most the most meaningful lessons from tonight are. Maybe maybe also what you thought the the worst thing for Democrats was. For me, it's looking at the, the gubernatorial races. Yeah. Um. It you know the, the Senate. I think Demo- most sober Democrats knew it was going to going to be gone. Yeah. But I mean, they they lost they lost Maryland at the governor level. Yeah. Um. That that seems that seems like it's a pretty big deal, and uh, and I think Republicans can go out and make a really credible case for uh, for having a you know. For the public rejecting Obama ideas right now, what do you guys think? Well, it's I want to stick with governors because there's two 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 threads here. One, you know, if you look at a policy level, um, it's funny because there's there's parts of this election that are, in some respects, very you know positive for the president. The minimum wage initiatives in Arkansas and Nebraska passed. I mean, those are the major tenets of what Obama wants to do federally. Deep red states. Yeah. I mean, and and that's, you know, obviously Obama wants a a federal uh, wage hike, but, you know, absent that, the fact that deep red states are doing this is a positive for him and his administration. Uh, A lot of these candidates, Republicans who ran for uh, Senate, ended up sort of crossing over into the realm of, uh, of supporting Medicaid expansion. So, Again, one of these sort of policy elements that Obama is associated with, but, you know, now Republicans are kind of adopting on their own. But on the flip side, with Medicaid expansion, you know, the loss of some of these gubernatorial races is immensely important. And Jeff Young and I wrote about this. I mean, we're talking about like two, two and a half million people in six separate states who were following in the coverage gap, which is they were too rich to qualify for Medicaid, uh, too poor to get the subsidies, uh, and because the state hadn't expanded Medicaid, they couldn't get any health insurance. Had the had that election changed, it would have started the state down the road towards expanding Medicaid, which would have demonstrably changed people's lives, would have saved people's lives. I think that's objectively true. And that didn't happen today. I mean, Florida with Rick Scott is the best example where he sort yeah. of, you know, informally or as you say casually endorses Medicaid expansion but hasn't lifted a finger to do it. Uh, you know, that's that's one of these results that like will literally affect people's lives. And, you know, we can sort of game out all the shenanigans on the federal level and what this means for each party and, you know, how a Senate Republican Republican Senate will deal with the President Obama. But, you know, when we're talking about Medicaid expansion, we're talking about life and death. And that's, you know, that's a consequence of this election that you that shouldn't go unnoticed. 
Jason, what do you think? You know, we've been talking about the Senate. It's been the sort of marquee event. Will the Democrats maintain the Senate? I agree that, like, the more interesting story is gubernatorial elections. We came into this night thinking that, well, if there's going to be good news for Democrats, it's that they brought all these governor's races really close. Maybe they'll pick off some. Maybe they pick off Scott Walker. Yeah. Maybe they pick off Rick Scott. Maybe they pick off Snyder in Michigan. Yeah. Didn't do any of that. Yeah. Didn't do any of that. And then you dig a little lower. Dig a little lower at state legislature level. You know, Republicans are going to pick up a lot of state legislatures as well. Yeah. Democrats have become a party... In my opinion, Democrats have become a party that's become very, very good at winning presidential elections because the map favors them. Yeah. Um, and and the, the Republicans have, you know, historic log jams and, and difficulty like sort of like reconnoitering when they veer left, when they veer right, how to find a center, how to keep the base in play. They have problems with that. Um, but as you come down, you have to understand that, like at the at the state house level, we're talking about an office that literally controls the levers of like the basics of democracy. You know, who gets to vote and when uh, and and how, uh, where districts are drawn. This is where reproductive rights are being rolled back. You know, everyone makes a big deal. Mark Udall went into this race against Cory Gardner, thinking that this one note. You know, war on women thing was going to was going to win him the thing uh, was going to be Cory Gardner. And, you know, he had a supporter at a rally close to the end, you know, exasperatedly yell, you're in favor of other things, too, not just not just reproductive freedoms. Uh, But here's the thing. Cory Gardner isn't going to be one of the people like with his hand on the tiller. That's a bad pun, but with his hand on the on the tiller, like leading the charge against reproductive freedoms. This is all happening at the state legislature level. And the Democrats need to find a way to get down into the unsexy races and start winning them. If they can't do that, they're going to lose. They're going to they're going to be running from behind again and again and again because well, like, and, all and the look, talent is flowing up through these channels. But I think this I think this all goes back to what Sam said at the very beginning. If if you don't have ideas and if you don't have an agenda, then you don't have any ideas and you don't have an agenda that people can get excited about. If there's nothing for people to get excited about about your party, you can't win. Yeah. And that's that's unfortunately I, I you know for, for Democrats, unfortunately I think it's what happened tonight. And uh, and if Democrats don't learn the lesson that you know you, you have to give people something to vote for, uh, they're they're gonna keep losing. Um, but but for now, uh, this is So That Happened yes. from the Huffington Post. and uh, that's special. We, we are very tired, and uh, at least I'm a little bit drunk. Uh, so we're <laughs> we're going we're to go home now. Uh, but thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'm, I'm Zach Carter. I'm Sam Stein. And I'm Jason Lincolns. And uh, we miss you guys already. Thanks so much for listening. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 